Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation and a hearty hello to you all. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's a woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, the most dangerous virus in America is Trump derangement syndrome. For the infected, some hard truths are about to hit home. Should we replace the Capitol building with Mad Max's Thunderdome? Then lock the doors and bury the corrupted in a congressional catacomb? Mentally retarded, civilians being bombarded, morality disregarded, pathetic little world. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. As always, we fail, but who cares, because it's nearly Christmas, and we have cocktails and puppy dog tails, and we don't really care about likes or sales or any of that stuff. We would much rather focus on tipping the scales. If you're joining us for the first time, a warm welcome to you. Be advised, this show is politically incorrect, as we do not wish to erode the intellect. We stand against everything the New World Order wishes to achieve. Because we martini heads, we are simple, honest folk. We value common sense, common decency, common courtesy. We believe America has a sacred purpose with regard to mankind's evolution. And we will fight against anyone and anything that seeks to destroy this great nation and the principles upon which it was founded. We are neither conservative nor liberal. For too long now, people have been conned into choosing between those two illusions. You see, the way I see it is this. America is a mighty eagle, and her wings were uh, were designed to, you know, keep her body airborne. Nothing more. So she sees no point in flying in a circle one way for a few years and then flying in a circle the other way for a few years because she doesn't like circles. She wants to get ahead. Her might is in her body and that's where our focus should be. Do you decide which car to purchase based on the tires? Of course not. Tires are easy to change. You make your decision based on the body and all that it contains. And that's how we need to think when it comes to reworking all things government. Left versus right 
It's just another divide, confuse and conquer tactic. Somebody thought it was a good idea a while ago, but, you know, I think we need to stop falling for it. What we need is one American assembly. People with a moral compass doing what is best for the citizens of America by respecting individual sovereignty, because that is where strength begins in the individualized soul. And when we understand our true nature, which is, of course, divine, cosmic, eternal, magnificent, ever evolving, bursting with potential. That's when we step into our power. Can you imagine an America populated by self-realized citizens, citizens who understand what government by consent means? You see, my darlings, that government would be held accountable. That government would be small. It would be efficient and it would be well managed. It would not be the massive demon infested swamp of corruption and filth we have today. And those government officials, they wouldn't be able to accept bribes from private corporations. Those government officials wouldn't be able to bounce their checks and get away with it. Those government officials would not be able to defecate over their oaths of office and line their pockets with blackmail money. Creating a divine or cosmic, if you prefer, reset, instead of the new world order reset of slavery and perpetual doom, may sound like an overwhelming task, but I assure you it is not. And it starts with a simple personal shift in perception. And that shift is from mortal to divine, from tragic to magic. Because make no mistakes, Red or blue, it's us they screw. On today's show, we have quack questions, answers, and comments. And we have my award-winning Christmas poem, Annie's Libertarian Christmas, which is a work of mind-numbing brilliance. And we also have awesome American civics and maybe some weird and wacky tidbits. We'll see how the time goes. But we will always end with my very favorite part of the show, the cocktail of the day. In fact, let me have a little sippy-poo of my drinky-poo and let's see what it's all about. Mm. Mm. Ooh, you know, I could live with that. Um, mm, I could marry that. That's good. More about that later. But for now, let's get on with the show. And let's start, as we always do, with quack. If you would like to share the contents of your bright and shiny minds with martini heads across the universe, known and unknown, send your comments to me, Arnie at ArnieAvidician.com. Or if you prefer snail mail, Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. And please let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I shall refer to you as omit personal details. And, and that's fine, but it's also very sad if you do want to mention. 
So let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, 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 shaky. Ba, 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 ba. All right, our first missive is from Sharon, who lives in Medford, Oregon. <laughs> well, the locals call it Dreadford, don't they? But I don't think it's that bad. So, and she writes, Dear Ani, with all the disclosure being ramped up, is the fall of the cabal just around the corner? I get many questions like this. And Sharon in Dreadford, Oregon. No, it's not. It's not. It's not just around the corner. It's about three and a half blocks away. You see, for as long as the mainstream media is able to feed the Trump derangement syndrome frenzy, the weak-minded will continue to fall prey to its black magic. But we must continue doing our part. Let's continue calling out insanity wherever we see it. We must attend local government meetings and hold them accountable. Let's take an active interest in our children's schooling in case they come home and tell us they want to identify as a pink parrot. We need to study and understand the US Constitution. And we need to stop supporting organizations that support New World Order. We want to put our money, our hard-earned moolah, into the hands of local businessmen and women and pay cash as often as you are able. Don't incur debt. Don't tolerate abuse. To thine own self be true, my darlings, and let the rest go to poo. So hang in there, Sharon from Dreadford, Medford. All will be well, um, just not tomorrow. Okay, let's take another, let's take another sip of my drink because it's really rather lovely. Hold on. Mm. I do this for you, darlings. You know, I don't really care much for cocktails. I just do this for you. All right, let's take another missive. And this is from Julian in Harrogate in the UK. Harrogate is a lovely town. I, um, I thought about moving there once a very long time ago. Um, I suspect it's quite different now, but beautiful part of the world. Anyway. Julian from Harrogate says, Arnie, do you have a favorite recipe for mulled wine? Oh, well, tis the season. Julian, darling, I'm not really one for mulling. Um, but I used this recipe a few years ago during a particularly cold winter, and it was lovely and really easy because you can go down to your local shop and buy a ready-made bottle of it. And it's called Norfolk Punch, N-O-R-F-O-L-K, Punch. Now, I don't know if we can actually get this in America, but you won't have a problem in Harrogate. So there's a story behind it. Benedictine monks, they go and they take possession of an estate in Norfolk, a very pretty part of England, um, circa 974 AD, and they plant herbs and vegetables and all sorts of things. But they plant herbs and spices and they use them to make various potions for the local people. And that's lovely um, and also quite common because throughout the Middle Ages, everyone relied upon the curative properties of herbs, you know, for the relief of their ills and spills. And, you know, mixing herbs with wine especially was very common and a, a very good idea, in my opinion. So these monks, they get the recipe down. And eventually, you know, they get it so that every batch is consistent. And huzzah, Norfolk Punch is born. And it gains in popularity. Everybody wants some. 
And then we come to 1539, when Henry VIII got very pissed off with the Catholics and dissolved the monastic orders and confiscated all of their properties. Very sad that, I mean, not the destruction of the church or whatever, but all of the knowledge and the wisdom that he just threw it out. Fortunately, though, we do know that at that time, monks were one of the few educated groups and they were able to record the formula. But this formula, it lay hidden for centuries until Eric St. John Foti, what a lovely name, discovered it in 1980 um, because he purchased a, uh, the manor hall that the monks, I believe, had originally occupied. And so over many years, he tried to recreate and perfect this ancient recipe. Finally, he got one that he could live with. He sold it at a local church fair just for fun, but everybody loved it. So he decided to make it commercially. So it became successful, widely sold in the UK. I bought a case every Christmas until I left. Um, but then something happened and the recipe was lost again. But Eric's son, some chap called um, Blair Montague Drake, uh, sounds like all the people I went to boarding school with, with all these double barrel names. Uh, he continued making and selling Norfolk Punch, but in Australia. Happily, we are told the original Norfolk Punch has been relaunched in the UK and is again being produced to the same original secret monastic recipe. So go out um, and get some Norfolk Punch. Uh, did you all know the word punch um, comes from the word punchin? And that is an 80-gallon container. I think I might have known that at one point. Well, it is definitely something that will warm the cockles of your heart. But of course, in today's overly regulated world, the producers of Norfolk Punch make no medical or curative claims other than to relax, warm and cheer. So Julian, enjoy, darling. It should set you back about seven quid a bottle, but it's worth every penny. So stock up because I understand it goes out of stock every so often and it is non-alcoholic. So you're all good with that. Oh, such memories, such memories of sitting in a cottage by the fire, sipping my Norfolk punch. I was just which I, you know, often did put a little bit of wine in there because I'm me. But anyway, moving on. Um, what else is in the fishbowl? Ah, oh, this is from Omit Personal Details, who asks. Mm, this is, um, I get a, quite a few letters like this these days. I'm not going to say it makes me sad, but it does touch my heart. Um, I have done, Omit says, I have done everything I feel I needed to do in this lifetime. I have nothing left to contribute, and I see no reason to stay here. Every night before I go to bed, I set my intention to wake up in heaven. So far, obviously, Ani, it has not worked. I am still here and writing to you. But here's my problem. The world is still a lunatic asylum. The inmates do not know they are lunatics and I don't have the desire or energy to indulge them. I plan to make my own arrangements to move on and out. Do you see a problem with this? It would be easy for me to say, no, in essence, I do not see a problem with it. It's your life, so you get to choose what to do with it. But that said, 
I would like to dig a little deeper before you make an irreversible choice. There's a difference, a big difference between dying peacefully, having given life all the meaning it has for you, and choosing to die because our world resembles a lunatic asylum. And I agree with you, it does. So I guess my question to you is this. Do you truly feel you have done everything you needed and wanted to do? Or are you just feeling hopeless in the face of seemingly overwhelming lunacy? If it's the latter, it's not a good enough reason, in my opinion, to take your own life. And that is what you are talking about. You know, you said making my own arrangements. That's how you phrased it. You won't be happy with yourself on the other side when you figure out you gave in and gave up. The other issue is the machinery of making your own arrangements, the process. Say, for example, you're planning to walk in front of a bus. That is going to have a profound effect on the driver and the passengers. And unless you have a sole contract to do that with the driver, you have now created a new stream of karma, which goes against your original intention to close your account for this incarnation. I would also remind you that you don't have to indulge in sanity. You are within your rights to ignore it, to poo-poo it, to tell the people that they are poo-pooable, to call them on their poo, and walk away from them and their poo. You don't have to kill yourself just to get away from crazy people. Omit, there are many things to consider before you make that decision. And here's an idea. Let's have a little chat about it, you and me. So send me another email and let's set up a Skype or a phone chat and let's discuss the best way forward, you see, because once you do take your life, that's it. Your life is taken and you're on the other side and you're going, oh, poopy butt. I wish I hadn't done that. So let's clear the air, darling. OK. All right. A little sip of drinky. Mm. I should slow down with that. OK. Here is a pretty little postcard from Roy, who is bathing himself in Cap d'Antibes in the south of France. Um, and he has written in bold red, the answer to 1984 is 1776. And that's all he wrote. Roy, thank you, darling. Um, of course, you are correct. Uh, we all know this. And I remember Alex Jones shouting this through a megaphone at one of the Bilderberg meetings. Um, I agree. Mass non-compliance, adherence to a moral compass, not to some new world order fungus. Roy, I have to say, it's very nice of you to send us these encouraging little notes while you are sunning yourself on the beaches of southern France. <laughs> if memory serves, in 1776, we did things like cross frozen rivers while woefully under-provisioned and under-armed. And we defeated top-notch German Hessian mercenaries and did really heroic things. But by all means, Roy, darling, stay in France and sip your aperitif while snacking on pommes frites and salade niçoise. <laughs> I have fond memories, by the way, of that area, uh, Juan Le Pen, to be precise. 
my family kept an apartment there, one block from the beachfront, um, just above a bakery. Oh man, those were the days. What else is in the fishbowl? Let's rout around and shake things up a bit here. This is from Francis in Detroit. And Francis, very kindly, sent me a book titled Meet Your Strawman and Whatever You Need to Know. And that book is put out by the NationalLibertyAlliance.org. Francis wrote, oh my God, Arnie, this book blew my mind apart. I always thought of illusion as the physical experience, you know, outside of source. But this book explains the machinery of illusion on our physical world. The United States is a commercial for-profit company. The Federal Reserve is a private company. Every court, every police force, and even Congress are considered private companies. I have a real personality and a legal personality. I don't have to pay tax. Did you know you don't have to pay tax? I don't have to register my car. I don't have to give a police officer any information. Ani, did you know banks finance both sides during wars? And the IMF is an agency of the UN. And everything in the United States of America is for sale, including me. And then Francis goes on and on and on and on. And Francis, darling, I read the book. Um, thank you for sending it. You might also purchase a book called Secrets of Our Hidden Controllers Revealed and another one called Billions for the Bankers, Debts for the People. They explain the machinery of the illusion in layman's terms, just as um, this Strawman book does. And I'm delighted that you have figured things out and you're also writing in here that you're going to get every single person you know a copy of this book for Christmas. You know, you know what I can say to this? I'm so excited to, to, to get letters like this. Um, I just want to say I love the smell of freshly awakened citizens in the morning. Spread the word, Francis. Darling, your country needs you. Ah, oh, yes, I did read through the book, actually. It's, uh, you know, it's got a lot of good information in there. When you read these books, and if you're coming to this information for the first time, it can be sort of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, ah, 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 that's fine. Read it, do the oh my gods, and then step back and chill, process, have a glass of water, and then go back and read it again. And then do not take those books as gospel, even though there's a lot of truth in them. Research every single thing in there that has triggered you from five or six different sources so that you're not just going around ranting to people. You're actually saying, oh, no, no, I've, uh, I've researched this. Look. Let's take a couple more before we wrap up this segment. Uh, shaky, shaky, let's shake up this fishbowl. What else lurks in the bowels of the bowl? Here's one from Lindy in Portland, but that's Portland, Maine, not Portland, Oregon, just up the road from me. And, and Lindy wrote some very complimentary things about the show, and thank you for that, I do appreciate it. And she also says, do you like lobster? The tastiest lobsters are caught in late spring, but we have them year round. If you would like one for your Christmas table, I will happily ship one overnight to you. Lindy, that is such a lovely thought. And in days gone by, 
I did enjoy a nice lobster sandwich, I'll be honest. But these days, my body doesn't care for crustaceans. So many thanks for your input on the show and for the lovely offer of a Christmas lobster. My mind would love to indulge, but my body will engage in open rebellion. So enough said about that. And thank you for your kind words. What else do we have? Of course, now all I can think about is a delightful lobster sandwich with spicy mayonnaise. But if I have that, I will probably spend 55 days digesting it and end up in hospital. So let's not go there. All right. This is from Tim in Sacramento, California. Dear Mad Arnie, if the bad guys win the war, what will you do? Everyone says they will walk away from the Matrix and live in the woods. But I believe humans are too domesticated to go there. Well, Tim, I agree about the domestication of humans. But here's the thing. I may or may not be human. And whatever I am, I assure you my feral side is intact. So I guess I'll engage in open guerrilla warfare. Well, guerrilla warfare isn't really open, is it? I guess I'll engage in secret guerrilla warfare. Although... I might be getting too old for all the action stuff, but I think I would probably make an excellent base camp commander. So if the bad guys win, which they won't, and we have two societies, spirit-centered sovereign souls and feeble-minded statist idiots, um, well, I guess I'll be with the sovereign souls because without freedom, life is pointless. And let's take another one and let's make this the last one for today's show in case I run out of time. And of course, now that I've said that, I'll probably have plenty of time, but it doesn't matter because it's all Christmas and, and I've got cocktails and everything's just lovely. And this is from Omit Personal Details and Omit asks, Ani, if you were in charge, how would you deal with the problem of our open border? Ha ha ha. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Mm. Probably the same way Trump will deal with it. Close the border and instruct our border control, uh, patrol and military to keep it closed and to keep it monitored. And I would employ thousands of fit-for-service veterans and make of them a militia of Minutemen. Then I would start mass deportations, starting with those who pose the biggest threat and working down the list. Because I do understand that there are people that genuinely want to come here and make a good life for themselves. I also know that that's not really the reality of what's happening right now. The idea that we should allow any Tom, Dick and Harry to casually walk across into our country unchallenged is ridiculous. I waited two years in the UK for my green card. I came here lawfully. I applied for citizenship and became a citizen. And let me tell you, the day I officially became an American citizen was the greatest day of my life thus far. No, we will get that border closed. We will see the Republic restored. We will arrest those who work so hard to destroy our country from within. From within. What was that? We win? We will win because we will... Stop the ones that are destroying the country from within. We will call out and arrest all those in all organizations, media and medical included, 
who took blood money and looked the other way while millions died and millions more became sick and weak, all the while getting no help, while everybody just pours in and then gets the help that we should be getting. If you can see, I'm sure you can, that Trump derangement syndrome is currently off the Richter scale. They are terrified, the bad guys, because they know nothing can stop what's coming. They're sputtering like me, sputtering and muttering, but they're sputtering and muttering obscenities while they're pooping in their panties. And they should be scared because they put themselves between a rock and a very hard place. The global overlords that they serve, they demand absolute obedience and adherence to that totalitarian agenda. You can't sign up with the devil, metaphorically speaking, take his money and all the little treats he gave you, then change your mind once you find you don't have the bottle for it, you find you don't have the guts for it. Those who try breaking their contracts with the bad guys find out in no uncertain terms what they signed up for. And the terror they experience is quite literally not of this world. The day we stand together in our power, that, my fellow Americans, is the day the devil will cower. So vote for me because now you know what I'm going to do. Of course, I can't be president because I wasn't born here, but I'm sure I can be something else because I am a citizen now. Shall we call it quits for quack for this show? I think we probably should. So a big thank you to all the martini heads for writing in and sharing your thoughts with our gang. Keep them coming, you see, because if you don't, we won't really have a show. So keep writing. And what shall we do now? Well, my darlings, I think it's time for <laughs> Awesome American Civics. And today's lesson is, what is a constitutional government? And if you have the textbook, we the people, the citizen and the constitutions, level one and level two, you can follow along by turning to page 29 in the level one book. But on the other hand, you don't have to because I reserve the right to stray from the textbook, fair warning, and go from one book to the other, and then also editorialize because I'm very, very good at that. And now I am well into my drink. So, oh. all right, class, is everyone sitting comfortably? Jolly good. Now we can begin. It seems Many people today, much to their chagrin, are only just beginning to understand the differences between a constitutional government and a dictatorial government. A government abiding by the constitution or a government run by dicks. So a constitution, what is it? It's a set of rules that explain how a government is organized and how it should be run. Most constitutions are written, some are partly written, and some are not written at all. And according to that definition, every country has some sort of constitution. Whether or not they abide by it, well, that's quite another matter. So a constitution should contain within it the answers to the following questions. Pay attention, class. 
What are the purposes of the government? How is the government organized? And what parts does it have? Also, what does each part do? How is the government supposed to carry out its business? How should the rules be made? How are people chosen to serve in the government? It should also explain what is a citizen. Are citizens supposed to have control over their government? And if so, how do they control it? What rights and responsibilities, if any, are citizens supposed to have? Just because a nation has a constitution does not mean it has a constitutional government. A constitutional government means that there are limits on the powers of the government. And a limit, as we know, class, is a point beyond which something or someone cannot go. The US Constitution says there are certain kinds of law that Congress cannot make. The Constitution does not permit the president to do whatever the heck he or she wants to do whenever he or she wants to do it. There are limits. There is a system of checks and balances. Now, that sounds lovely, but here's the thing. It's not enough. It's not enough for the government to know the Constitution because governments don't police themselves. The people must know it too, or how else would they hold an out-of-control, treasonous government, such as the current puppet administration, accountable for their crimes? We're supposed to have free elections every four years to vote the bad seeds out of office and install bright new seeds. But the last election was stolen from the American people, in part, a big part, because the American people lost interest in how government works. And this allowed government, the dark side of government, to get away with so many bad things, including mass murder. Of course, the American bad establishment is not the only one. I mean, the Soviet Union had a wonderful constitution allowing citizens to criticize the government and citizens criticized the government. And when they did, they ended up in Siberia in hard labor camps, eating disgusting cabbage soup and rock hard bread while freezing to death. And Hitler started out with such good ideas, but he ended up not much better. He came to power legally in 1933, promptly disregarded the constitution and opened up concentration camps within weeks of taking office. A constitutional government with a moral compass is always the best option as long as the citizens have an investment in their nation's prosperity, growth, and happiness, and enough of an investment to hold those in power accountable at all times for all things. Now, a dictatorial government means there are no limits on the power of the people who run the government. They can do whatever they like. They can write up a constitution and state that they have all the power and the people have none. But that doesn't make it a constitutional government. It makes it a dictatorship, a ship of dicks. A constitutional government with a moral compass works for the good of the people. 
That type of government is accountable to the people and the people have room for growth personally and collectively. A dictatorship is a slave state. Only the ideas of the top tier have meaning in a dictatorship. Everyone else is a slave and creativity is discouraged. Free thinkers, intellectuals are jailed and the remaining mindless minions are rewarded for snitching on their workmates and neighbors. So to recap class, a constitution is a legal framework for government. Most countries have a constitution in some form or another, but just having a constitution doesn't make it a constitutional government. A government with no limits is not constitutional. It is an autocratic or dictatorial enterprise. You see, there is such a thing as a higher law. A constitutional government must effectively limit the use of power. And all people, government and the rest, must obey the higher law of the land. For us, it's the constitution. In a constitutional government, the constitution has the following five important characteristics. Number one, it lists the basic rights of citizens to life, liberty and property. Number two, it establishes the responsibility of government to protect those rights. Number three, it places limits on how the people in government may use their powers. For example, if we look at citizens' rights, people in government cannot unfairly deprive a person of the right to freedom of speech. Tell that to the current administration. Also, how resources are distributed. People in government cannot take a person's property without paying the person a fair price for it. Also, how conflicts are handled. People in government must give all persons accused of crime a fair trial. It establishes the principle of private domain. Now, if you don't know what that means, a private domain is the part of a person's life that is not the business of government. Um, as a libertarian, I would say there is no part of my life that is the business of government. Um, and then the other uh, main thing is all these laws, not the laws, but the higher law, the constitution, the wording, it can only be changed with the widespread consent of citizens and according to certain sets of procedures. And, it, you know, it is very difficult to change uh, the constitution. It is very difficult to change and make amendments. <coughs> Excuse me, people. So, class, now you know how to define a constitution. And now you know how to define a dictatorship. I'm sure you can list the characteristics that define a constitution as a higher law. And now you understand private domain. And I suggest you discuss private domain with friends and family. Does the government have any right to interfere in your private life? Seriously, have a conversation with your family about this. Let's get everybody's ideas on this. Mm. If you feel the government has rights and is able to interfere in your private life, 
Which areas of your private life do you think they should interfere in and why? And while you're at it, take a look at the attacks on our constitution by the current New World Order puppet administration and discuss that because apparently the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth being leaked out is about six months to a year. So that, my darlings, is the very basics, the very fundamentals of what is a constitution. I will be doing this segment, Awesome American Civics, on every single podcast. And once we are done with the fundamentals, we can maybe get into some of the nitty gritty. But I'm doing it from a textbook and I'm doing it at high school standard because I believe that most people are there at that standard. Um, so for now, class dismissed and do your homework. Get a copy of the Constitution. Get a copy of the Constitution for dummies if you're not much of a reader. And I want to send you all out on a field trip. You and your family. And what I want you to do is to go to your local sheriff's office and ask your local Shire Reeve if he or she is a member of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Now, the CSPOA believes that we, the people, need to come together with the power of the Constitution so that we can take back our country peacefully. And you can go to their website and you can join their posse for something like $99 for a year or $11 a month. And you will get access to their private weekly webinars where the big boy sheriff will be sharing all of the latest updates and victories from all around the country and um, is also able to answer your questions live. So you have a constitutional sheriff live at these webinars all for this $99 a year. And you can send in questions and he will show you how to connect with your local sheriff to help ensure that you have liberty in your country. Plus, of course, you get some of the best training material as a free bonus. Now, I joined up. I am an American citizen. I joined up. I'm part of the posse and I'm looking forward to connecting with Patriot peace officers all across this great land of ours. Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org a valuable resource for free-thinking, sovereign patriots. We need to understand, we need to know which police officers are going to be the thugs and support the establishment, the corporate overlords, and which ones actually want to see America thrive and remain independent. And if your sheriff doesn't know about the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, you might make them aware of it. And darlings, if you're new to anything constitution, which is a crying shame if you're an American, but if you are, well, you know what? Good for you for getting interested. Um, why don't you start by taking a look at the preamble? The preamble sets the stage for the constitution because it clearly communicates the intentions of the framers and the founders and the purpose of the document. So, it's a preamble, it's the introduction to the highest law of the land. It's not the law. It doesn't define government powers or individual rights. It's more of an agreement on basic principles. 
The preamble tells us in no uncertain terms why we need a constitution, and it opens with, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. And I recommend you go to the National Constitution Center website for the full text. And that, my darlings, is it today for Awesome American Civics. Read the preamble because it tells you in no uncertain terms why the Constitution was needed, why we needed to break away from the British monarchy. And as George Washington said, if freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Mm, there we go. All right, let me have a little sip because I'm getting a little dry here. Mm. What shall we do now? I know what we'll do. We'll have a little pat of poetry. Yes, folks, after a very hard day shamaning, I like nothing better than coming home, putting my feet up, putting the kettle on and having a nice cup of tea or perhaps a small drinky poo and writing really bad but occasionally brilliant non-peer-reviewed poetry. All hail! This is a little something I came up with the other day. Um, and it's a little spoof on, you know, it was the night before Christmas. And if you would like a really professional version of this, uh, go to my channels on either YouTube, Rumble or BitChute. And uh, it's a whole production with music and pretty snowflakes and stuff. But today we're doing the rough and raw version. So here we go. Ani's Libertarian Christmas Poem. Thank you very much. "'Twas the night before Christmas when throughout the nation "'the people expressed their discontent and frustration. "'The stockings were filled with books by Glenn Beck. "'They read in silence and thought, what the heck? "'I know what would sweeten the pot for this season, "'the arrest and deletion of those who did treason. "'They want us confined to our homes to eat bugs. They will tell us we're happy as they stuff us with drugs. How blind we have been, distracted and fractured. We have lost all sight of the good things that mattered. Never again shall we fall prey to their tricks. In God's holy light, all things shall be fixed. And right there and then, as if in a twinkle, Common sense returned and was quite liberally sprinkled. The people rejoiced as their minds they reclaimed, and the treasonous goblins were named, shamed, and tamed. And this is my wish for the nation I love. Please take your guidance from the heavens above. Our rights are given by the one we call source, and never will the tricksters take them by force. 
Thanks everyone for listening to that. And if you enjoyed it, uh, do go to YouTube, BitChute or Rumble and listen to it. Give it a like or something, I don't know, a comment and share it with your friends. Because the more people that know about us, our tribe grows and we feel more empowered and we all join the Sheriff's Association and we will take back our country step by step by step and hopefully without a massive civil war because that will be just dreadful and terrible and nobody wants that um, and you can also follow me if you want on facebook on truth social and on twitter my name on facebook is arnie avidician surprise surprise on twitter it is arnie avidician surprise surprise but my call sign on truth social is cosmic arnie or one word because that's what i am darlings i'm cosmic as are you. And now, I think we have some time for some weird and wacky tidbits, not only from the anus of history, but also from the cornucopia of current events. And I want to thank the lovely martini heads that send these in to me. Um, I can't do them all, because <laughs> there's a great many of them, but it is fun, um, and we do need more fun. So here we go. Random tidbits, mainly about American stuff. Did you know that Americans eat about 100 acres of pizza each day? 100 acres of pizza each day. That means we eat billions of pizzas each year. Billions. Now, we can't deny a little pizza is a good thing. But a lot of ready-to-eat, take-out pizza, really that makes us very slow-witted, constipated, and obese. American pizza needs a serious overhaul, in my opinion. Italians eat it, and they're not fat. But the pizzas over there are very different to the nasty, thick bread covered with goo versions that are popular over here. We have lost our taste buds. We need to get them back. I remember the very first time my partner ate a Roman pizza, you know, in Rome. She was in shock and also in heaven. It's a very, very thin crust with very few toppings, crispy, appetizing, and it, it didn't destroy the gallbladder. What else do we have here that's, that's of interest? Ah, the country's capital wasn't always Washington, D.C. Apparently, as stipulated by the Resident Act, Residence Act, Philadelphia was made to be the temporary capital of the newly created United States of America between 1790 and 1800, which would have been while Washington, D.C. was being built. And that's why today we can find many famous pieces of early U.S. history throughout the great city of Philadelphia. And also, you see, they do make excellent cream cheese. Um, but hang on a minute. <clears throat> now that I think of it, I don't think Philadelphia cream cheese was created in Philadelphia. I think it was made in New York and it was created in 1872. Why did they choose the brand name Philadelphia? Because at the time, Philadelphia was known for the high quality of its culinary scene. Interesting stuff. Yes, fascinating. Fascinating to me because I love Philadelphia cream cheese. All right, what, what else? Another little tidbit from the anus of history. Ah, the 16th president. Anyone remember who he was? Yes, Honest Abe. He is actually in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Did you know that? Before he took on the top job in the nation, Honest Abe was the winner 
of 299 out of his 300 fought matches. So he's in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And he was amazing. He only lost one match. He was a big bloke, wasn't he? He really was. Mm. Uh, another little tidbit here about Honest Abe. He was assassinated, as we know, on April 14th, 1865. But he had signed legislation to create the U.S. Secret Service hours before he headed to the Ford's Theater where he was assassinated. However, the Secret Service wouldn't have saved him, even if it had been created in time, because its original purpose was to combat widespread currency counterfeiting. And it wasn't until 1901 that they changed their MO to protect the presidents. Interesting. All right. What else do we have here? I think there was something here about booze. Yes. Prohibition. Oh, a terrible thing. Um, and there were some crazy things with the law enforcement of prohibition. But here's the worst thing, and it pains me to, to, to say this, but it turns out the U.S. government literally poisoned alcohol in its effort to discourage drinking. Because alcohol was banned, but we're Americans and we'll do as we damn well please, thank you. So people continued to consume booze despite the ban. And law officials got frustrated and they decided to try a different kind of deterrent, death. <laughs> they ordered the poisoning of industrial alcohols that were manufactured in the US. And those products were regularly stolen by bootleggers to make passable you know, alcohol. Um, it is estimated that by the end of prohibition, which was 1933, the federal poisoning program killed at least 10,000 people. That's nasty. And that's mean and horrible. I'm sorry to have reported that. Let's go on to something a little more cheery. Uncle Sam. Did we know that Uncle Sam is a real person? Because, you know, I've got little Uncle Sam uh, googly things all over. People send me little Uncle Sam's. They're all over my office. But he was actually a real person and his name was Samuel Wilson. And he was a meat packer in Troy, New York, who fought in the American Revolution. Um, he later became the official meat inspector for the Northern Army in the War of 1812. And he was given the nickname Uncle Sam for his good nature. Apparently, when he um, started providing and inspecting meat for the troops during the War of 1812, uh, the soldiers from Troy would joke that the initials U.S. label on the barrels actually stood for Uncle Sam. And the idea was eventually expanded to all United States military items with, you know, U.S. And that's how Uncle Sam came to be. He was apparently um, a very affable chap. Everybody liked him. He was humorous and he was easy to work with. So that's nice to know. Uncle Sam was a real person, fought in the revolution, was a meat packer, became a meat inspector. What else? What else? What else? Ah, yes. All of you out there who like NASCAR, it's something that I do actually like. I like fast cars. I want to have a Dodge Charger with a thousand horsepower. If someone would 
get one of those for me, I'd be more than happy. Um, but did you know that technically a state's driver's license is not needed to compete in NASCAR? And even if you're a driver who's had their actual driver's license suspended for anything from reckless driving to DUI, you can actually still race in NASCAR. It just sounds like my kind of place. What else do we have? I've never been to a NASCAR meet in person. And these days, I think you don't need to have a mullet. You can just show up, you know, with any hairdo and dressed any way you want. So I look forward to that. What else? What else? What else? Uh, let's see. Oh, Alaska. This uh, was sent to me by somebody from Alaska. Um, Alaska was sold for a total of 7.2 million. We bought it from the Russians, and that amounts to about two cents per acre. Yeah, the state was purchased in 1867, and in the 50 years that followed, America made their money back uh, for the 7.2 million more than 100 times over. That, my darlings, is a quality buy. Is Alaska the largest state in the United States? Is it? I think it is. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, somebody write to me and let me know, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think it is the largest states, the largest state in the states. And let's take uh, just one more real quick one. In Kentucky, the number of bourbon barrels outnumbers the state's population, huzzah, by more than two million. Kentucky, that's a lot of bourbon. And of course, it is the birthplace of bourbon. And apparently, is this true? I'm going to have to look this up. Not that I'm doubting my martini heads, but Kentucky crafts 95% of the world's bourbon supply. Well, that is overachieving. Darlings, oh my God, I think that's it for today. I finished my drink. No, I haven't. Let me do it now. Hold on, hold on. Mm -mm. Oh dear, I'm glad this is a podcast and not a video because I dribbled a little. I have finished my drink and that always means the end of the show. I do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I recorded, as enjoyed recording it. Yes, I'm tiddly because I had a blast. It is my pleasure to join with like-minded martini heads worldwide every other week just to chill and shoot the breeze. Today's real life cocktail was, wait for it, a little treasure called the Algonquin. And here's how you make it. You need two ounces of rye whiskey, <clears throat> which can be a little harsh on the throat. Um, I'm using High West Double Rye because someone gave it to me. You're going to need an ounce of vermouth. I'm using Dolan Dry because I have a bottle open and an ounce of pineapple juice. You also want a slice of lemon for dressing. So just get a shaker, fill it with ice, add the rye, the vermouth and the pineapple juice and shakey, shakey, shake it well. Strain it into an old fashioned glass and a glass that's half filled with ice. Then dress it with the lemon and enjoy because it's yummy and it's a very nice change. Now remember folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. Always use top shelf stuff, take the art of mixology seriously, and that way one drink is all you need. A quick shout out to mysticalwares.com in Mount Vernon, Washington for graciously supporting us mysticalwares.com for all your metaphysical supplies and more. I am Oni, mad as the day is long, Avidician. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, my darlings, stay safe, stay sane, 
And above all, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alpatisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you.